Good morning, Shelby Christian. Would you stand and sing with us this morning?
the, in the midst of all the chaos in the world right now, God is still doing great things. You know, we have 25 young men and women in Guatemala right now doing great things in the name of Jesus. And you may have heard this week that 60 children were baptized in Uganda uh, because you guys cared enough to sponsor them and, and spread the gospel. I love, the, I love the words of this next song on the verse that says, who, what does it say? <laughs> who takes our chaos and turns it uh, into order? Who, who makes the orphans a son and daughter? Uh, the king of glory, the king above all kings. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder King who conquered the grave Worthy 
Sing this chorus with us. You turn morning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the To, to get up here in a minute and share in that communion uh, this morning and to give your offering um, if you've come prepared to do that as well. Hey, I want to read, uh, I want us to read something on the screen. I'm, I'm going to read it and I want you guys to just follow along. I don't think there's anything more powerful uh, than God's word and, and what it speaks into our lives. And uh, this week I was thinking about in 1 Corinthians where Paul writes to the church at Corinth and he gives them some specific thoughts about what we're about to experience here in a second. So would you guys uh, read this together with me? Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. It says, For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An arrangement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink of it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. The word that I wanted us to obviously focus on this morning is that word examine. It's really important when we come to a time of communion that we just stop 
that we pause, we think, we pray, and we examine. We allow the Holy Spirit, right, to examine our minds and our hearts. Well, what, what's going on in there? What we've been wrestling with, what we've, what we've been dealing with uh, this week. Uh, maybe it's a, a sin that we need to confess. Maybe it's something that we just need to bring before the Lord this morning and be thankful for what he has done for us through Jesus and the cross and what that means for us for eternity. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God in heaven, we thank you for today. God, I thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have as a body of believers, as a church family, to gather in this place, to sing songs to you, to worship you. God, in this moment, to just pause, to take of this cup, take of this bread. That's a reminder of, of what Jesus did for us, the, the, the sacrifice that was made on our behalf because of our sins. And God, just like that passage says, may we take it, and as we do, may we examine our hearts, may we examine our lives. May we, we find ourselves worthy, not because of us, but because of what you've done through us, who you are, not because of, of who we are. May God, may we be reminded that when we look at ourselves, that we are called to be a reflection of, of you in this world. God, thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Friday's disappointment is Sunday's empty tomb. Since when has impossible ever stopped you? This is the sound of dry bones rattling. This is the praise make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. I'm gonna live, I'm gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. I love it. I love it. I love it. Jason said it in communion. It was so perfect. I love when stuff just comes straight from scripture. 
just comes straight out of the Bible. It's not Dave's words. It's not the elder's words. It's God. It's God's word. And that's straight from scripture, folks. The graves in the gardens that we see, it's straight from scripture. And and man, I'm... Y'all gonna have to get ready because I'm I'm a little bit wound today. All right, because I, I don't know. I was kind of in the back and and I didn't. I thought I heard. I thought I heard Doc say that there were 61 people baptized in Uganda this week, but I didn't hear the roof come down. <laughs> come on. We got a bunch of kids in Guatemala this week that are changing kids' lives, but get this, their lives are going to be forever changed. And they're going to come back different. They're going to come back different. They might tear the walls down and make a difference in the kingdom. I love it in, in this song, Graves in the Gardens, that we're kind of focusing on, that uh, Brandon Lake and Chris Brown, the two guys that take lead on the song, wrote the song. They, they talk about how the song was born out of a message that their pastor had preached from Ezekiel 30, uh, excuse me, not from Ezekiel, that's where we are today, from 2 Kings 13. That's where we'll be on Easter Sunday. But it's a passage about graves coming to the gardens. And so they had written the, the main verses of the song, and they were just like going Going through it in the studio and they got to the, like this little bridge in there and just spontaneously they started just kind of yelling out the things that God had done to change things and started talking about things like morning to dancing and then bump 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 and, and and beauty to ashes and shame and the glory and seas and the highways and just how God has taken all these things and done amazing things that looked like they were things that looked like it was the end. Like Jason last week, he was talking about did a great job talking about how when the Israelites got to the edge of the Red Sea and the Egyptians have changed their mind and they're coming after him. And it's like, there's no way out. And God said, yes, there is. And he turned the sea into a highway. And so today we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about dry bones turning into armies. I saw, I was thinking this week about not just the, the things that came out in the song. I was thinking about all the other things in the Bible, all the other real, real life Bible stories of complete change of Jesus, water to wine, empty nets into overloaded boats, blind men to visionaries, prostitutes to per, uh, protectors, uh, and then from runners to preachers and persecutors to evangelists. God is the only one who can do that? So what's the transformation he's done in your life? Could you tell that story? Could you tell about what life was like before you really came to knowing? Could you tell about the times that you battled things that you didn't think you were going to get through? Maybe the transformation hasn't even happened yet. Maybe you're just kind of put yourself in, in the right place. And maybe you're here today, this day, so that God could begin a transformation that's going to be spectacular. Maybe you're here today and it, you're kind of like just a connected pile of dry bones that needs some new life. And so we're going to look at this amazing passage. And if you got your Bibles, go to the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel. A little bit past halfway of the Old Testament, find the book of Ezekiel, go back toward the end of Ezekiel chapter 37, all right? 
And, and Ezekiel is this prophet of God who finds himself this day at the beginning of chapter 37 in this valley of dry bones. That's hard to even imagine. I, I mean, just to imagine yourself suddenly just in, 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 a, in a beautiful valley, except there's nothing but bones laying around. It's kind of like a, a Stephen King movie. Or maybe it's like the Holocaust. David Goldman had inherited his grandfather's Teflon, which had been made in Belarus in 1901. He, he had them with him as he spoke. The Teflon are, are the, the little small boxes that you see. And they're filled with scripture on passages on those black strips of parchment that Jewish men wear on their head and their arms when they're praying. If it were Catholic, it'd be like the rosary beads, all right? And, and, and he wore these and he mentioned the Jewish debates over the years and their understanding and the debate over the meaning of Ezekiel's story of seeing a valley of dry bones come back to life. Was it, was it history or only allegory? And he answered the question this way. He said, my father's generation restored the Jewish people from the dry bones of the Holocaust. And these are the Teflon, which my grandfather left me as an heirloom from them. The Holocaust was one of the worst marks in world history. The things that happened there. Now, we've seen some bad days since then. 9-11 was, was horrific. Pearl Harbor, a lot of you guys obviously remember, remember those days. COVID has been terrible. But think of it this way. Pearl Harbor, we lost 2,390 servicemen and civilians at Pearl Harbor. Almost 2,400 people. 9-11, just under 3,000 people died as a result of the planes on 9-11. COVID, obviously a lot more, somewhere in the roughly a million people. But the Holocaust and other mass genocides, do you know that from 1941 to 1945, somewhere, and this is amazing to me that the, the range, they can't even narrow down the range, the range is somewhere between four and seven million people died. Two-thirds of the Jewish population in Europe. In, in Poland from 1939 to 1945, 6 to 10% uh, of the entire Polish Gentile population and 3 million Polish Jews died. In Cambodia, in my lifetime, in all your life, in, in Cambodia from 1975 to 1979, somewhere between 15 and 33% of all Cambodian citizens died. They were killed somewhere between 1.4 and 3 million of their own people. Back in the 1800s, from 1864 to 1867, there was a Circassian genocide. And 95 to 97% of the Circassian population was killed. Rwanda. Remember Rwanda, 1994? 800,000 people. In one year. In one year. 7% of the population. Those are horrific and unbelievable numbers. 
But in many of those situations, the dead bodies were just piled up outside of the city in the desert or the countryside and allowed to decay with no decent burial at all. And if it was, they were just shoved with bulldozers or other machinery into mass, mass graves. And so in Ezekiel 37, we see this valley of dry bones that Ezekiel ends up with. That God takes him to this valley of dry bones. It was in the middle of the 70 years of exile of the Israelite or the Jewish people from King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, you've heard about him before. King Nebuchadnezzar, he kind of had a run in with the, a guy named Daniel and his friend Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember all those stories from earlier in the Old Testament? Daniel's thrown into a lion's den by King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into a fiery furnace. So he was not a bit afraid to kill those who did not agree with him and pile up their bones. Just like Hitler did in World War II. So if you look there in Ezekiel chapter 37... The beginning of it seems as if all hope is lost. Nebuchadnezzar is running just as wild as Hitler or Mussolini or any leader that we have seen in somewhat of a modern era. Verse 1 says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones and covered the valley floor, and they were scattered everywhere across the ground. They were completely dried out. And then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? What a question. What a question. Can these bones ever live again? Ezekiel replied, oh, sovereign Lord, you are the only one that knows the answer to that question. And if you skip down to verse 11. God says to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And they are saying, we have become old, dry bones. And then these next words, all hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Those are paralyzing, paralyzing words. All hope is gone. We translate it today, no chance, impossible. Nothing good could come out of this. All hope is gone. When a ship capsizes or a plane goes down or an earthquake devastates a city or a tornado rips through our state or any other state, the statement no one wants to hear, the statement no one wants to hear is we have transitioned from search and rescue to recovery mode because when we're in search and rescue there's still hope we're in recovery we're just looking for bodies Ezekiel found himself in a place where his words were all hope is gone when was the last time you found yourself in that place Was it when the 
boss said your services are no longer needed? Maybe it was a spouse that said, I'm done. Maybe it was a a child that was struggling. Maybe you were walking out of the doctor's office in a fog because of what you just heard. All hope is gone. Those are, those are, that's a devastating, devastating thought. In, in Dante's divine comedy, the phrase, abandon hope all ye who enter here, is the supposed sign at the entrance of hell. Let me read that again. Abandon hope all ye who enter here. That, that's a depressing, depressing thought. It's often compared to, the sign that they hung above German concentration camps, which read, work brings freedom. That's the English translation. But there was never any real hope of freedom. It was a con to to try to get prisoners to work harder, but there was no way they were ever going to be released. The irony of it. How many people Primarily, I'm going to put this on guys. How many people, but how many men especially, are putting in insane, insane hours to make more money that they think will bring hope? How many people that are believers, believers, feel like they got to just keep working harder and harder to have any hope of salvation. See, here's what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, for it is by grace, for it is by grace, for it is by the unmerited favor, grace, that you have been saved. And not by your own works, because if it's something you could do, you would brag about it. You would boast about it. See, God's Word, God's Word, I believe, was as valid to the Holocaust survivors in the 20th century as it was to Ezekiel in his century. Because from the charnel house of Europe, heated by Hitler's hatred, the surviving, the surviving Jews returned to the land of Israel and joined with those Jews who had remained there, making it once again a viable nation and the only true democracy in the Middle East. If God could restore hope, (coughs) excuse me, if God could restore hope to the nation of Israel over 600 years before Christ was born, And hope was restored to the Jewish people in 1945 when Hitler was defeated. Don't you think it's possible for him to restore hope in your life today? And transform your dry bone existence into something viable and powerful? But here's the problem. Here's the problem. We spend countless hours... Worrying 
reading self-help books, watching Dr. Phil, and all sorts of other things without going to the source of hope. So let's continue in Ezekiel 37, shall we? Let's look at how the transformation begins in this valley of dry bones. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these dry bones and say, dry bones, listen, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin and I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke the message that was told and suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise. There was a rattling noise. Remember we sing scripture, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. This is like an amazing motion picture taking place in front of us. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed on the bones. And then skin covered their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. And so I spoke the message as he commanded me, and the breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet and created what? A great army, dry bones to armies. It's an amazing transformation that begins right here. God tells Ezekiel, tell those bones, tell those piles of dead bones all throughout the valley, I'm going to put you back together. I'm going to help you live again. I'm going to help you live again. At the moment that the bones come together, there's this tremendous shaking Rosh, rosh. It's the Hebrew word for rattle. There's this rattling as these bones are getting reunited with one another and, and you can hear them clanking together. The, the Septuagint calls it the seismos, an earthquake, just like the seismos on earth when Jesus breathed his last breath and the earth shook. It was a sign that God was up to something. And it transforms bones into bodies. Now, there's probably, it's probably not a completely painless process of transforming dry bones back into bodies. Kind of like coming out of a cocoon isn't either. Remember a few weeks ago I showed this this picture uh, of these butterflies, this transformation from caterpillar and cocoon to butterfly. not an easy transition some of you know that full well some of you really went through a transition some of you went through a huge transition just to get up and show up today just just to be in a church building it's a dramatic transformation from where your life would have been just a few years ago maybe just a few months ago 
It's a transformation. And sometimes those radical transformations, albeit beautiful like a caterpillar into a butterfly, have to be somewhat painful when you're going through the process. And suddenly this valley of dry bones... And suddenly bones are attaching to bones. And then the sinews are attaching to bones to connect them. And then the flesh is coming over the sinew. And then the skin over the flesh. Hard to soft. But we're supposed to be soft. That's how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have a softness in us. An openness in us. Where God can work and God can mold us. And so we need to get, we need to get all those things back in place so that we could get skin back on dry bones. And they could have flesh to where they could be molded. It's a terminology that a lot of young people like to use today. I want to be hard. Don't mess with me. I'm hard. I'm hard. That's the problem is. Sometimes in an effort to be so hard, nothing can ever change in them. Nothing can ever change and penetrate them. And they think being hard means being strong. And sometimes it's the worst thing. Because if you get too hard, guess what happens when you get hit? You break. If there's not some pliability, some softness in there, you're just disaster waiting to happen oh but i'm hard good for you where do you really get hit with life and so there's this this moment here that we see transforms bones into bodies but then it goes further it goes further because it's no good to have a bunch of skeletons walking around there has to be a further transformation to take place and it's turning bodies into life bones into living beings there was no life in the bodies until god breathed into them and god i'm sure i'm convinced i know i see it happen that god wants to breathe the spirit of life into individuals listen to me church he also wants to breathe life into his bride Far too many churches are dry bones rattling. Let's just call it what it is. Let's just call it what it is. And God, the creator of all things, the changer of all things, is still available and wanting to breathe life into dead bones. And to take things that don't seem they're ever going to work and to transform them into something powerful and beautiful. And he does it on a regular basis. But along the way, sometimes it's difficult. But I'm convinced of this. God wants to recreate the army of God, and he will do it out of dry bones if he must. If he must. There's three elements, I think, of this transformation. The first one is this. It starts with the inadequacy, realizing and understanding the inadequacy of the old self that leads to death. It's understanding that the wages, what are wages? What are wages? It's it's what we work for, right? Our wages are what we earned. You don't earn somebody else's wages. 
You work for that, and those are your wages. And the wages of our sin is, what's the Bible say? Death. That's the inadequacy of life on our own. But then, as the Apostle Paul said, I make all things new. The old is gone. And make all things new and change them. And that's a transformation. And it starts with understanding the inadequacy of the old self that has led us to death. And then it's understanding the inadequacy of our understanding without God. In verse 3, it says God has knowledge that Ezekiel doesn't have. Ezekiel needs the knowledge of God. We need the knowledge of God. When people are made new, they have a crucial knowledge of God's identity. Just no, no raise your hands, no sin. Just think of it. Just, for those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ and are fully living for him, don't you feel like you understand life more now than you used to? Now, there are still some things I don't understand. Amen? Man, I turn on the TV and there is some stuff I do not understand. But I understand what's about to happen. And I don't know if it's going to be a little later this afternoon. I kind of personally hope so, that it's a little bit later this afternoon. Because I know, I know in next service, at least three sets of dry bones are about to start rattling. And there's about to be some life change happen. So I kind of hope that it's not until a little bit later this afternoon. And that it happens, but I know that there is change that's coming. I know that change is coming when people are made new and they've got this incredible new knowledge of God's identity. And then there's the inadequacy of our existence without the Spirit of God. You see, as this starts playing out in front of Ezekiel's eyes in the valley of dry bones, first of all, there's bones that are just kind of starting to move and they're starting to rattle. And then there's sinews that come on the bones and start connecting the bones to bones. And, and then there's the flesh, the meaty part of the body that starts reappearing and reattaching to the body. And then skin comes and covers that. But there's still one thing missing. The breath of God is still missing. And finally the breath comes and the Spirit of God comes into the valley. Look at verse 11. He said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones, and all hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I will open up your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. And then I'll bring you back to the land of Israel. And when this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. When did you know for sure that he was the Lord? I mean, really, no. I mean, really, no. A lot of us, especially in this service, grew up in church almost since the day we came home from the hospital. And so we heard the stories. We knew the stories as well as the guy standing on stage telling the stories because we've been in the, we've heard the story. But when did you understand it? When did you realize it was more than just a story? When did it take life and come hold of your life? 
And then he goes on to say, I will put my spirit in you. All right, now we just, we got dry bones and now got skin and flesh on them, but they're not alive yet because they don't have a spirit in them. He said, I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done what I said I would do. Yes, the Lord has spoken. That's good stuff. Israel. Israel is in exile with no hope when this story is taking place. There's no hope. It's a bad time. Nebuchadnezzar is a bad dude. He's willing to throw young men into fiery furnaces. He's willing to throw young men into lion's den. He is willing to do whatever it takes to get whatever he wants. He builds a statue of himself that's taller than anything around out of solid gold. This is not a nice man. This is a bad time. And, and, and as he said, all hope is gone. Do you ever feel like that today? Have you turned on the news anytime recently and seen some of the stories Seeing things that are going on in Ukraine, seeing things that are going on in other parts of the world. Have you seen those things happening and feel like all hope is gone? Hmm. Uganda's a pretty bad place, but hope just came to 61 people this week that we know about. In the midst of all the difficulties, hope can be found. His name's Jesus. In 2019, right before this pandemic started, 2019, there were 3,000 new churches planted in America. Praise God. Unfortunately, that same year, 4,500 churches closed their doors forever. We just lost ground. Do you see the math? We just lost ground. A, a recent survey of parents of school-aged children from the age of 5 to 18 showed that 67% of them claimed to be Christians. That's a little scary. That, that's right at two, only two-thirds of parents even claim that. 76% of Christian parents are afraid their children will leave their faith behind. Huh. But then when a push comes to shove, recent survey revealed that of those parents that identified themselves as believers, as followers of Christ, when asked really telling questions about what it means to follow Christ, it revealed that only 2% of them have a biblical worldview. I wonder why we're losing ground. That's why the church needs to be strong. That's why this church and other churches need to be strong. These people claim to be Christians. They want the rewards, but they don't want to pay the price. And so what's the result? Valleys of dry bones are the result. When you combine the immorality and the atrocities of this world, things sure can seem hopeless, don't they? I can't tell you the last time I watched the evening news. It's been at least a decade. At least. I refuse to let that junk enter my mind. I don't care. I don't believe 99% of it anyway. So why would I even watch it? 
Let's just go change the world. Love God and love people. Let's go change the world. And so in this season of exile and no hope, God is transforming broken people. See, here's what, if you read, if you listened, and as we read through that, you, you see, he opened the graves of the exile. He's about to let them out. These people that multiple times have been put in exile, they're about to get out again. He's going to cause them to rise and live again and restore their nation so they can really live, not just exist as exiles, but really live. So frustrating. So frustrating looking around today and seeing all that we are blessed with. My goodness. All that we are blessed with. And and I watch these pictures come back from Uganda. Uh, People that literally have nothing in comparison. And 61 61 of them this week said, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And gave their lives to him. And we're just playing games. We're just playing games. We're playing games worried about viruses. It's real. Be careful. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I don't care how long you live beyond COVID. There's an ending point, right? It's going to be over on this earth sometime. And people are dying and going to hell without the knowledge of Jesus Christ because in many cases, the church is afraid. I'm coming out. I'm going to live again. And I love what he says here. Here's what he says. And you will know that I am the Lord because I will. Here it comes. Here it comes. Because up till now, all we got is dry bones that are rattling. All we got is the bodies. And he says, but he says, I will put my spirit in you. And he breathed life into dead bodies. And they were forever changed. This was God's promise to the Israelite people. The chosen people. 600 years before Jesus ever came to earth. That's when Ezekiel happened. That's when this is going on. About 600 years before Jesus came to earth. So then what happened? Then God. This is so cool. Because what did Ezekiel do or see God doing there? He saw bones reconnecting and flesh and finally skin coming on. And and then 608 years later, God put skin on and came to earth. And Jesus came and lived with us. And what did he do when he was here? He opened graves. Oh yeah, he did it. And I said graves, that's right, multiple times. He opened the grave of the widow of a son of Nain, who was dead, at Nain, and who was dead. He he revived Jairus' daughter. And oh, Lazarus, come on out. And, And then just to cop it all off, He rolled the stone away and came out on his own. He promised us that all the dead in Christ will rise eternally. He promised that everyone would know that he is Lord and that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. And he left us with the gift of the Holy Spirit to breathe. What did he do with these bodies? He breathed life into these bodies in the valley of dry bones. And when Jesus left to go back to be with the Father, he said, I'm leaving my spirit with you. The spirit, the life that is in you. It's so cool. Let's finish this up. I hope you still got the book of Ezekiel open. 
is before Ezekiel found himself in the valley of dried bones, God spoke to him. Look back in chapter 36, about verse 25. Listen to what he says. It says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, what David had asked for. And I will put a new spirit in you, creating me a new spirit. And I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Your heart will be changed. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. That sounds a lot like our response to Christ today, doesn't it? Sins washed away, old things gone, His Spirit, Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us as we live for Christ. How do we do that? It's simple. It's it's outlined so clearly in the New Testament. We not only believe, but we trust God. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. The believing's great, but even the demons believe. It's about taking that belief and putting it into action and trusting God. It's about repenting of your sins. It's about confessing his name. It's about bearing sins and baptism like some folks I know are getting ready to do in the next service. And I hope maybe you'll do in this service and being raised to walk in a new life. And so the bottom line is this. God's promise to Ezekiel was for a chosen nation. But following Jesus' resurrection, the promise was made available for all nations that have chosen Him. It's our choice. It's your choice. Do your bones feel like they're rattling a little bit because of everything that's going on in your life? Are there some of those circumstances that we we don't even like to think about things in our job things in our neighborhood things in our house with our kids or with our spouse things inside of our bodies that are causing our bodies to decay and die and we're scared things in our marriages, things that we're putting into our bodies that we've become addicted to, are those are there those things that are just sucking the life out of us and making us feel like just a pile of dead bones with no hope. Jesus came to bring hope. So the dry bones could live again and make a difference. If, if you know you need some of that hope, and if you are ready to take a huge step of faith out of the valley of your dry bones, you can be reconnected to God. And so if you know that's what you need, I'm going to challenge you to while we sing a final song, to go meet Jason in the decision room back there. Come down and talk to me and I'll get you to him. Somebody will walk you over there to him. 
other people. We've got elders in the room that will gladly pray with you, talk with you, encourage you. But you got to move. you got to take that step of faith. So would you guys stand with me? And if you need to take a step of faith today, while we sing, let's go. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. It's going to be an awesome, awesome, awesome uh, day on the hill. We're glad you're here. If by chance this is your first time ever with us, man, thanks for coming. Uh, on your way out, go out those doors back there, and you'll see a big orange wall that says, I'm new. Uh, our team's out there. They've got a special gift for you. If you've been around, you've got some questions about things, make your way down, either right through that door or down through the hall into that room. Uh, and there's some folks in there that can answer questions about help you figure out your next step uh, in this journey and what that would actually look like and what it would actually be. And so we encourage you to do that. Also, I want to remind you uh, that uh, with Easter coming up, uh, Jason told you last week we've got five services Easter weekend. Good Friday service Friday night at 7 o'clock, Saturday night worship at 7 o'clock, and then our three normal ones on Sunday morning. Uh, and so here's the deal. we It's time to start. Let's get ready and let's pack this place. So at the communion tables and everybody that's out in the lobby, there's bumper stickers that we've had before uh, that just point everybody to a website that tells about everything Easter. Easter uh, that's going to happen on the hill. Uh, and then we've got little just small cards, small cards that you can give and invite and they're laying around. Take everybody, take at least a couple and, and hand them to somebody. If it gets down to the last week, can we turn the video off for a minute? If it gets down to the last week and you've still got one you haven't given away, these, I'm not sure they may fit right perfectly into those things at the gas pump. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, uh, so however you can spread the word, spread the word, uh, go love God, love people. Let's change the world. You guys have an awesome week.